So I'm kind of expecting your world to get rocked a little bit because I'm talking about something that I have a lot of experience with. I'm 60 years old this year. <clears throat> That's right. And I have practiced a bunch of the stuff that I'm going to talk about tonight for a long time. So um, I want to encourage you, though, this is an external battery. I use my phone all the time. Many of you know that because you text me all the time. <laughs> and so today I was in my car, and I'm like, I'm running downtown. By the time I get downtown, my, my phone will be charged because it was 27%. So I'm pulling into the parking garage because today's the day that I have lunch with Eric. He's at a business meeting tonight that he could not get out of. And um, I look down, and my phone is at like 24%. The reason is because you have to push this little button right here. See all the blue lights light up? So let me encourage you tonight, if you're not used to asking Holy Spirit to bless the things that you hear, you want to do that tonight because if you don't ask Holy Spirit, you ain't hooked up. And you're not going to have any more battery power when you walk out of here than when you came in. I personally... I come to places like this to get my battery recharged. I want to be stronger when I walked out, walk out than when I came in. So tonight, let me encourage you, and I'm going to pray over you, because I actually want to break. A lot of times we have mentalities when we go to church. You're bored, but you're going to sit through it because you've got your check mark to make. What I love about young adults is you guys aren't as much into that. And if you don't like it, you just stop coming. I respect that. I hate it when you do it to me, but I still respect you. <laughs> so thank, can you open it? Oh, is it? Okay, thank you. So God, we just come to you tonight as sons and daughters. I thank you, Lord, for the things you even taught me today, the things that you made me aware of while I was getting ready for tonight. And I ask for the light and fire of the Holy Spirit to just come down Change us, Lord. We're not here to play around. We want to be different, and that will not happen as an accident. So we just open our hearts, our minds, how we think and how we live to you. Show us truth. Amen. So yesterday, Eric, or yesterday? Yeah. Eric texts me in the morning and goes, what are you doing this afternoon? And it just so happened I had cleared my calendar because I needed to prepare for my sermon. And I had all these plans. And um, I started, I was going to sit at my desk. And he said, I want to go motocrossing and I need a, a wingman because he doesn't go by himself in case he has an accident. And I was like, I would love to do that. But I need to stay home because I need to be serious because sermon is a serious thing. And the more I thought about it, the Holy Spirit was like, right, that's really worked for you in the past, hasn't it? And I'm like, not so much. He was like, why don't you just go? So I text Eric, and I'm like, I'm coming. So I went, jump in the truck with him, and we start talking. And that's where a lot of the sermon came from, was our interaction. And I just want to encourage you. Um, you are never going to step fully into any gift that God gives you 
outside of community and the family of God. You are never going to be who God meant for you to be doing your lone ranger thing. So tonight I wanted to show um, I wanted to show you a picture. You want to throw that up for me? I want to encourage you to consider tonight life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And so tonight I want to ask you to be brave and to consider some things that maybe you haven't in the past and to go a little bit beyond what you've chosen to go beyond in relationships. Uh, John 3.16, I had some great verses. I had a bunch of verses for tonight. And about 5.30, the Holy Spirit is like, um, could you, you want to cut that down? Because the word says, you have many teachers, but you have not many fathers. And I'm not talking to you. I'm not trying to teach you something tonight. I'm trying to father you. I'm old enough to be almost anybody's, I'm old enough to be anybody's father in the room. And so that's where I'm approaching you from tonight. Because I've learned some really powerful things. I've made a lot of really bad choices. I'll talk about some of those tonight. Um, I can't talk about all of them because there were so many of them. But I will share some of the highlights or the lowlights. Um, but it's important for you to be willing, if you want a powerful life, if you want a strong life, anybody in the room can have it. You can actually have any life you truly want. You just have to want it bad enough. Um, Eric's been talking about um, you know, first he talked about identity. Then he said, if you have a relationship change, you need a relationship change. And if you have identity and then you have a relationship change, you actually, through that relationship, you step into a family. And it's called the family of God. That's a nice religious sound and it means almost nothing to most Christians in, the, uh, in Western America. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to say that at the beginning because if you've never prayed that prayer, you're not a son or daughter of God. And I say that respectfully because you need to know where you stand before we start talking. Um, God gives you the place of son or daughter through the adoption process that he describes in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So I'm going to tell you my scriptures I was going to share today. It's Exodus 19, 5, Galatians 4, 4 through 7, and Romans 12, 2. Exodus talks about the fact that God is a God of covenant. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 describes the fact that he sent Jesus so that you could be adopted as sons or daughters. Romans 12, 2 says to work with the Holy Spirit to transform your minds. That was about probably 25 minutes of scriptures and about two seconds. <clears throat> but I am going to go over Galatians 4, 4 through 7. I'm going to read it. 
but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, so. And that's so important for you to realize. God has forever been a father. And he's a God of covenant. And that's a little stronger word than BFF or your wingman. When the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us, that's all of y'all, who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we've been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. So praying that prayer of repentance from sin and beginning the process of recognizing your father's voice and agreeing with him about what he says about your life and its meaning, that's the start. So if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. Any of us on the prayer team would love to pray with you that prayer tonight. But I want to talk about... Um, the family of God, because we listen to a lot. A bunch of you have a bunch of notes. You actually probably have stacks of notes, or in my case, uh, stacks of notes in my phone. And you, you take down notes, but you probably never go back and look at them that much. It's challenging for us to bring our notes into our lives and to walk that out. Like if you listen to Eugene's testimony, and he's an intimidating speaker to follow, if you listen to his testimony, that was not a quick testimony. I was a part of that, and I loved it, but it took years. <laughs> and we laugh now, but a bunch of those times weren't funny. It's the privilege of intimate conversation with God that makes it plain that we're his children. And any person who has intimate conversations with God, and listen to what I'm saying, you'll hear people that have really strong giftings. They'll be like, and the prophetic gifting is one of my most loved and one of my least favorites sometimes. Because prophetic people, they hear from God a lot, and that's awesome. But they are so aware that they hear from God a lot. And so you go to say to them, you know, uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but people are not blessed by what you have to share. And it's like, I heard from God. I don't know what you're talking about. I heard from God. It's like, well, actually, the prophetic, that's old school called Old Testament prophetic. New Testament prophetic gives people a vision for their future. Deliverance is actually not about the demonic. Deliverance is to bring people into reconciliation. So any person who has intimate conversations with God will also have them with brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in the kingdom. 
Developing that communication is a progressive adventure that never ends. So tonight, I actually want to talk to you about relationships. And I'm just going to give you some bullet points and then share some stories. But I have a video for you to watch. I like this guy. That's what our lives are supposed to be like. If you're a believer, you should have some guys like that around you. But for many of us and for, for many people in the church, we don't have that. Because we come in to the body of Christ as orphans and we stay we're in the body of Christ, and we are going to go to heaven. But we have an orphan mindset about relationships. And so only one or two people ever get close to us. We make sure that we guard ourselves at all times. We watch our back. I want to be in the corner. I want to have my back to the wall because we're surviving. And there comes a point if you're maturing, because you can have a ton of Bible knowledge, but there comes a point if you're maturing where you don't have to watch your back all the time because you know you have a daddy who's bigger than anybody's daddy. And you can trust him. Um, I want to show you, it's, how many of you have heard of the Band of Brothers picture? The Band of Brothers? Let me show you a picture. It says, from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. And that's, every guy wants to have some guys like that. And you can have that. The way you do that is to sell out to God. Make him the Lord of your life and not just your fire escape. He wants to be part of everything you're doing. And guys in particular many times don't have that because we are so afraid to truly be intimate with another guy. Because we're made fun of for having any type of relational skills growing up. Guys don't do that. It's always so funny to me because you can see girls, they'll sit together, they'll sit with their arms around each other, they'll hold hands, they'll talk, they'll play with each other's hair. A guy, you're like, don't even, don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, and so they look for it in a woman. For a lot of guys, the only type of intimacy that they actually will even like go for is a female. And ladies, you need to be aware of those guys.
because they are so hungry and so soul-starved, they will try to take you over boundaries that they should never take you over as a woman of God because they are not mature enough to build relationships with other men. Because a man who doesn't know how to be friends with another man should never be a man you trust with your heart. Straight up. If you see a guy and he has no other male friends, back away. I don't care how big his muscles are. I don't care how charming he is. I don't care how great he sounds when he sings you that song that's only for you. <laughs> he ain't got it. Because if he can't even do friendships with a man, another guy, he's not going to know how to do a relationship with a woman. Because he's going to be coming to you all the time, trying to pull off you everything you got. And he also won't have any brothers to pull him up, snap him up short when he's going over boundaries that he shouldn't go over with you or in any other area of his life. Um, Eric was quoting this verse. He was just, we were just talking about what I was going to preach about. And he goes, well, really, the essence of it is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. So I'd like to say I came up with this verse. I didn't. Eric did. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interest, but take an interest in others too. This is a really simple verse because we make what I want to talk about tonight really complex. We love all of our reasons. Well, you don't know, like, I remember one time, I was I think I was 24, so it was really embarrassing that I was that old. And I was talking about my dad. My dad and I didn't have the greatest relationship, and I was telling one of my friends, Valson Abraham, about my dad. And he goes, Eric, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're 24. It is long past time you started accepting the responsibility for your life because people don't know your dad. All they know is you. So grow up and take care of your business. And that was a friend. So I just thought I'd throw out some uh, bullet points. One of them is to develop your character. Know your strengths and offer those freely. Know your weak areas and choose friends who will not allow you to settle in those areas. Embrace your own truth in both areas. Because to the level that you choose to be blind, and you know, a lot of us have, we do choose to be blind. We know, we know things about ourselves, but we would rather not talk about that. And whenever, when you know that it's one of those buttons, when somebody approaches you and you're like, I don't know who you think you are talking to me like that. Don't nobody talk to me like that. When you, when you start doing that neck thing, you know what I'm talking about. When you start doing that, you need to shut up because you are exposing to anybody who has discernment how big your issue really is. Because when you approach me with something that has absolutely no validity, I don't care. You can say something to me and it ain't true, it isn't true. I don't care. I can even be nice to you. I can thank you for sharing your great wisdom. 
Because on the inside of me, I don't need to get all mad or have an attitude because it's just not true. But it's really interesting. Somebody walks up to me and they're like, hey, Eric, uh, I think sometimes you're a little bit controlling. I'm like, no, I'm not. Well, I think you are because sometimes it's hard to talk. It's not hard to talk to me. (laughs) Tell me one person that says it's hard to talk to me. You know, and if they don't have the strength of a rock of Gibraltar, they're like, I don't know. I'm, you're right. <laughs> Eric was talking to me today, and last year I just had some things occur that really skewed my, my eyesight, and I wasn't aware of it. And so today I was like, well, What were those things? And he started telling me, well, this is, he started talking me through some of the things that I did. And he and Ashley both noticed uh, part of it had to do with a vacation. Me, when I went to Costa Rica last year, um, I just didn't take good care of myself. I was planning to go clear to Costa Rica for four days. And they were like, what? And then I went to lunch with Chad Everett and, He's the guy that's pastored me for a long time. (laughs) You know, those crosses that are heavy to bear, he's got one of them. And so he, I tell him, yeah, I'm going to, because I need to go to Epic, and then I'll fly out on Friday, and then I'll fly back in on uh, Wednesday, and he he goes, what? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. He never even raises his voice, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And so I'm like, Why? And he proceeded to tell me how dumb that was and how great my leaders were and that my life and my eyesight was skewed and I had better get my act together on taking care of myself on vacations. And when he was done, I was like, oh, my God. Okay. You want to know your own strengths and weaknesses, and that's how you find them out. Some of the tools we have are Christ Life, Transformation One-to-One. We just did that a couple of weeks ago. It was a good time. Uh, DNA. DNA is called DNA because that's the DNA of this ministry. We have Bible and book studies that are led by Sarah and Brittany and a bunch of people in the room have led them before. They're really powerful. Men's and women's breakfast. And also friendships, just friendships with people. We talk about tools like that all the time. Let me ask you. How many of those are you currently taking advantage of? Number two is be a giver. Don't be selfish. Be a giver. Walk into Epic Life or other rooms that you enter looking for somebody to bless, looking for somebody to make them feel welcome. If you're a visitor uh, tonight, I met Kyle. Way to point Kyle out. He just moved here from South Carolina. Knows nobody. And I said, how did you hear of us? Googled you. I found you on Google. Awesome. Next week, Kyle walks in looking for somebody to bless. Because if you'll do that, you won't be thinking about what everybody's thinking, wondering what everybody's thinking about you. And the truth is, ain't nobody thinking about you. (laughs) In fact, not near as much as we should. Intentionally live an encouraging life. 
I was hurrying to meet Eric today. I was walking really fast like this, and I walked past this African-American woman, and she had gorgeous white hair. And it was hilarious because I walked past her. I was walking like this, and I go, you have beautiful hair. And I just walked straight on by. <laughs> but I wasn't so fast that she goes, thank you. <laughs> Encourage people. Encourage people. It's so effortless, really, if you'll just develop that in yourself. Be a giver. Initiate. Initiate. Stop waiting for everybody to come to you. Go to other people. I get tired of always initiating everything. Ask intelligent questions that actually show interest, and then ask another one for more information, then ask another one. And don't sit there thinking about yourself and what you're going to share about yourself. The next one is commitment is a 12, it's actually a 10-letter word spelled choice. I choose to be with you. I align myself with you. I know you're all counting how many letters. Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> Evaluate the character of the people that you're considering being friends with. And then choose, choose a friend. It doesn't mean you gotta be friends with them forever. Because sometimes I'll start down the road in friendship with somebody and I'll be like, oh, I don't necessarily like that. But that, I don't just, just because I see something and somebody I don't like, I don't split. Because I didn't start down that road with my eyes shut anyway. Sometimes I'll see people, I don't have a thing in common with them. But I see something in them I don't have. And I want that. So I'll go after a friendship with them because I, and usually it's a character trait that I don't have. I'll go after friendship with them because I want that in me. Another one is keep showing up. No matter what happens, remain in the same place. Once you make that, that choice, I choose you. I will not leave you. 20 years ago this November, I went to jail for 28 days. And you guys, I was so ashamed. Um, sitting in the holding cell, I remember just feeling so mad at myself. My lawyer was standing next to me, and the judge, he, he heard about maybe a minute of what my lawyer had to say and slams his gavel and goes, 30 days. And my lawyer, he's like this man's man. He almost lost his composure. He goes, but your honor, this is a good man. And he goes, I said 30 days. And so my lawyer walks out with me. He, he asked the judge, can I walk with my client for a minute just out in the hall? He goes, all right. So he walks out and he goes, I don't know what happened in there. And I go, I do. I said, that's the consequences of my sins. I made these choices and these are the consequences. You did a great job. Thank you, I appreciate it. But when I went and sat in the holding cell, I was like, I had nothing but curses for myself. I hated myself so much. 
And the guard comes in and he goes, your lawyer wants to see you. And I'm like, I just saw my lawyer and I'm done. And it was my friend Dirk. Dirk is a managing law partner of, uh, of Mark's Claire Richards in Omaha, Nebraska. He's super successful. Um, he's one of my closest friends, and he's the guy who chose me and took me home to his family and said, this is Uncle Eric. And um, he, they brought me in, and there he was. And he just sat with me for two and a half hours. And finally, they came and said, we're going to take everybody upstairs, and you need to come in. He wasn't trying to make me feel better because that was a goal that couldn't be accomplished that day. He just sat with me and talked to me. He asked me how I felt. I told him how I felt, and I said it in really clear words. I told him how I felt about myself. I told him how I felt about my future. He just kind of listened to all of it, and he just loved me. When I got out of jail, uh, a bunch of my friends, uh, it changed. <laughs> we had a relationship status change for a while, but not Dirk and Steph, his wife. They just took me out to eat. They weren't embarrassed. They just loved me. They stayed. Keep showing up. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to drop anything for anybody. I can't do this for everybody in the world. I can't do it for all of you. You have to choose to develop those relationships and ask God to send you relationships, and he will. He's faithful. I, ask, uh, I have spiritual sons, like Paul had Timothy as a spiritual son. I have some of those and some spiritual daughters. And one of them, his name is Bo, and I asked him if I could share this today, and he goes, yeah. I said, I won't share your name. He goes, you can share my name. He was in rehab last year, and it was for the second time. And I thought he was doing really good, and his counselor called me one day. And he's like, Eric, um, I don't normally call people outside the program, but I don't think Bo's doing that great. And I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, I don't know, because he won't talk to us. I said, well, it's 1 o'clock. If I'm there by 5 o'clock, will you give him a pass so I, can, uh, so I can come in the building, and I'll bring dinner? And he goes, Sure. So I canceled my appointments and drove to Reading. And I said, you tell him I'm coming and I'll bring dinner. And I walked in at 5 o'clock. I had food in the sack. And I said, son, your counselor says that you're not doing well. And I've driven up here to find out what is wrong with you. And he talked. Why? Because that wasn't the first time I had done that. He's my son. I had some fairly straightforward things to say. This is our, our second time around, and we are going to do well here. And I'm doing my part. What's wrong with yours? And he began to talk. He felt a lot better. When he was done, I felt encouraged, and he 
uh, finished rehab super successfully. Not, he did all the work. My point is, when I knew he needed for me to come, I rearranged my whole day because that wiped out all my appointments. You'd be willing to do that for somebody else. We all walk around looking for somebody to do that for us. I'm telling you, if you'll do it for somebody else, those people will show up and they'll do it for you. I've been a spiritual dad for years and years and years. And everybody's like, you can never give away what you didn't get. And that is horse hockey. That's the message version. You can give away anything that you'll allow God to put in your heart. I don't care what you didn't get as a kid. You know what you wish you'd have had. Turn around and give it to somebody. Absolutely. Don't give God, yourself, or the world those flimsy excuses. You better than anybody knows what you wish you had had. I did not have that growing up. And last year, after all these years, God gave me a spiritual father. He's 82 years old. His name is Dr. Tar. And it has helped me understand and appreciate what I give. I never really knew that because I didn't have it. I'm 60 years old before I got a spiritual dad. But it's, it's been a life changer for me. I will tell you, God gave me men who were actually, some of them were my sons in the Lord at the beginning, but they gave me things that I wanted from my dad. They fathered me through things that they, like Chad Everett is the most consistent person on the face of the earth. You cannot, he's unflappable. Eric Knopf has helped heal me just through our relationship. And I never have to be weak for him. I don't have to dumb myself down or go, okay, I know this makes Eric feel insecure, so let me like, I don't want to stand out. No, I can be fully myself and feel celebrated all the time. That's the first uh, guy that I've worked with in ministry that I can absolutely say that. So God will give you, if you just will take your labels off of it and just tell God, this is what I need. And then open your eyes. There are people around you that are younger than you that have a lot to offer you because you're broken in ways they are not. And everybody goes, I want a spiritual father who's somebody who's older. Well, you might not get that. And there might be somebody who's five or six years younger than you who has a ton of stuff to offer you, but you're walking around and your pride will not bend its knee because I'm not going to take from them. They're younger than me. I look sometimes like you'll see a guy and a girl. They're a perfect match. I had this happen to me once. I was 24 and she was 28. And she loved spending my money and I took her lots of great places. And then one day, she goes, honey, I'd like to go to Johnny Cash. I'm like, great, pick up the tickets on the way home, we'll go. And then after Johnny Cash, we had a talk. 
Well, she had no intention of marrying me because I'm so young. I'm four years younger, but she really liked me a lot. I was like, you are dumb as a rock, and I never took her out again. I mean, I would have been a great catch for her. She really got almost everything she wanted. We did a whole bunch of fun stuff. But she just couldn't get past the fact that she was four years older than me. I didn't care. Same thing goes for, what was that? Oh, Leanne said neither did she. (laughs) I'm telling you, if you'll just take all the labels off of everything you're looking for, God will give you something, something. Anyway, that's a testimony in itself. Look around. If there's somebody and you're like 28 years old, they're 24, but they have a reservoir of wisdom that you don't have, you can be 30 years old. We've got some people who are young. Brett Shoemaker is super good at budgeting, but he's younger than a bunch of you guys, but a bunch of you guys ought to ask him how to do it. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Um, Next one. Show up when everybody when everybody else feels uncomfortable and just show love. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Um, a lot of times people like, when, when people used to die in our church, my dad never knew what to do with people. So he would call my mom and go, Barbara, so-and-so just died. I'm going to run by, by the house and pick you up. And she'd go, okay, I'll be ready. So they would go over. My dad had a lot. He was awesome at preaching funerals. But my mom was awesome at walking in the house and putting her arms around you. We'll see people have tragedies. And we just kind of back up like, oh, I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what to I think. I don't. They're going through a lot. I just feel inadequate. It ain't about you. Go put your arms around them and say, I'm really sorry for your loss. I don't even know what to say to you. That's all they need. Next one. Be unafraid of somebody being upset with you. Don't be threatened by the loss of the relationship. Put that picture up. Courage is like a muscle. It is strengthened by use. Have courage. Here's how I feel about telling somebody the truth. Every time I see something I don't like, I don't run up and go, Coleman, I don't like this. I notice this in you and I don't like it. No, because I know me. I need to give it the three strikes thing. It has to happen three times. Because I can be cranky and I can want everything my way. So you don't get to say anything the first, second time. Third time, if it's a pattern in the relationship, I say something. I could be wrong, but it feels like, and then you just wait and see what they have to say. But if I tell somebody something that really matters to me and I value our relationship so much that I want to tell you this because it's impacting our relationship, and they, like, have a cow, and they're so upset they can't stand it, 
and they make a big deal out of it, a whole bunch of drama, and I'll keep saying things, and I'm always wrong, I need to back up. And we're afraid to do that. We're so afraid to say anything anyway. So our relationships don't have any power in them because it's truth that sets you free. So if, you don't, if you're not telling the truth, there's no anointing on your relationship. And the longer you keep your mouth shut, the angrier you get, the angrier you get, the less you move away from the heart of God. So you ain't got much. The way I feel about it is if I tell someone that and they get so angry they stop, stomp out of my life, that's a blessing. They're taking a spot somebody else obviously needs to be in. And I've learned if I just keep like, okay, well, how about this? Well, how about if I do myself this way? Well, how about if I tie myself in this knot? Well, how about if I, do you like this side of me? The longer I do that, the less I'm who I am. And I'm wasting my life and their life. Because the wall that you saw in that video, those come to every single one of us. And if you don't practice these things in your relationships, when those walls come, you'll be jumping like this, reaching for something. You'll never get over some of those walls because we can't do it by ourselves. God never intended that. He came for relationship, not just him with you, but he created a family. Next one is keep short accounts. Don't be so committed to keeping the peace that you are unwilling to tell the truth. I told one of my kind friends, the only thing in our relationship that is a vulnerability to us is your kindness. Because I'm afraid that in your kindness you will not tell me the truth. And you're so kind and I can be such a donkey. I can run over you like three or four times, not even know I'm doing it, and break something that's very precious to me. So keep short accounts. When something hap keeps happening, you notice it's say something. Next one is covenant is messy. This is the last one. Don't be afraid to wade into the mess. I've had a couple of my daughters who started parenthood before they began their marriage. And God's word is clear on the correct order of that process, and they know his word. So I don't need to make sure that they understand all the verses. They got that. My concern is simply that they be fully reconciled to God and that their child enters a world in a celebratory environment. It's free of shame. I am not embarrassed by my daughter's choices. I wasn't responsible for those. They are. But I was their dad before they made those choices, and I'll be their dad after it's done. Because I've made a whole bunch of choices that didn't result in pregnancy, so everybody didn't see the consequences of my choices because I was able to, you know, put my makeup on and comb my hair, 
you know. I've made a bunch of those choices, so have you. So when you see consequences in people's lives that make what's really going on obvious, make sure you extend the same grace to them that you wanted for yourself. Tonight as we close, I want to encourage you. Uh, I want to encourage you actually to come to DNA tomorrow night. We're going to talk about the challenges in making what I've talked about tonight reality in our lives and options that you can choose to authentically live powerful lives. Your life will be exactly what you choose for it to be. And that's a really heavy statement unless you do exactly what Eugene was talking about. Step into the arms of Daddy God. Feel his hands on your back. Let the Holy Spirit that's inside of you start coming up. Listen. Because God never meant for you to build a strong, powerful life by yourself. He'll help you, and he means for you to be in a family. You can do that. All you have to do is make very intentional choices. You have to think, which means put your smartphone down. and all of your other devices that involve technology. Put them all down. I've been reading, you know, we hand out the My Child handout. And so I've been reading it every morning out loud to myself. It's three and a half pages long. And whatever, like, hits my heart, that at that, mo that morning, I go back and read the verses that are under the phrases. Because when I do it, I feel the power of my sonship. I can't be a good dad if I'm not a good son first. My dad died in, on Easter uh, this year, last year. He gave me this gaudy ring I wear on my finger. Your heavenly father wants to give you gaudy things too. They may not be that, but it'll be something that'll remind you that you are his. He loves you. Make strong, powerful choices because there's a revival that's gonna happen in this ministry there's stuff that's going to come through this place. But God honors bodies who function the way that he asks us to function. You can see plenty of groups with strong, gifted people. But it's only when we come together and choose to band together as brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, a family, 
It's always broken. It's never perfect. It's always messy. But it is also always powerful. So, so I just encourage you, contemplate what I talked about. Ask Holy Spirit, where in all of those bullets, what do I need to do in those bullets? You can have a super powerful life. It ain't about your looks. It's not about your muscles. I don't care how often you work out. Sometimes your muscles can be the biggest blockage between you and God and you and people. Because that's all you think you have to offer. That's why you spend so much time on them. It's just about Daddy God who loves you so powerfully. And it's him that gives me the will and the want to do his good pleasure. And he'll do the same thing for you.